Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. Today, I'm very excited. I'm bringing you an interview with Tanner. So Tanner, please introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Tanner. I am a college student from Tennessee. Um, my major is music business, if you're curious, but I do have a minor in Japanese. So that's kind of what sparked my languages. Wait, music business is one major? Yeah, it is. It's oh. specifically recording industry is what it is, but it's specifically the music business side of like managing, touring, all that stuff, as opposed to like production. Right. Very interesting. I I mean, of course, that needs to be a major, but I've never put that. I've never thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Something you could go to college and study. So very cool. And so tell us a little bit about your language learning journey, because I know there's different languages thrown in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very, very weird and sporadic. So it really kind of started when I was, what, five, six, when I first started being homeschooled. Um, I just went through like maybe a year of homeschool and then I started public school. Mm -hmm. So then my mom and um, like everyone that was doing the homeschool curriculum or whatever kind of added in Spanish into some of our stuff to do. Um, just did just some basic Spanish, like counting colors, whatever. That yeah. just kind of got my interest started in a language. Mm -hmm. So then fast forward a little further into high school and I started taking Spanish in high school and then that kind of really opened up the whole language thing to me so I started learning like a couple other uh romance languages like I did do Spanish then Italian just a little bit and then just randomly thrown in there I started learning a little bit of Hawaiian for some reason I don't know why but it was entertaining yeah um I I've, couldn't I've tell you any too. of it now I've dabbled on <laughs> Duolingo and other places mm -hmm. where something comes up and you're like, ooh, let me learn this right. alphabet or something, you know, right. some random thing will pop up. Yeah, Hawaiian, definitely. That's really cool. I think they do have that on Duolingo, actually. They I've do. Seen it. Yes. So if anyone's interested, I mean, that's on my bucket list. I would love to. There go you go. Hawaii. So once I get that oh. ticket, I'll be <laughs> doing all the lessons. There we go. We just need to take a vacation and just that, learn it. That's what we need. Yeah. So then after Hawaiian, um, I really took a break and then the pandemic hit when I was in high school, actually. Oh and um, you've just dated yourself and I feel very I old know. now. I know. <laughs> okay. I know. Um, and then over the pandemic, that's when I found Japanese and that's where everything just kind of spiraled from there. Right. Where did you stumble upon Japanese? How? So it's a little weird story that also kind of dates me a little bit. Um, Date you in a, a young kid. way, not date you in a way. <laughs> Fair <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> so really, when I was a kid, I started watching Power Rangers. Uh -huh. And I was just obsessed with it, whatever. And I found out that Power Rangers is originally from Japan. And I, I just went that. down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay. I, never knew I just went down a rabbit hole. And I'm like, I love this so much. And I watched the originals in Japanese and then I'm like, I love this language and I want to learn it. So then that's how all of that started. A lot of people get it from anime. No, I got it from Power Rangers for some reason. Very cool. I mean, I, I wonder how many people who study Japanese did come in through like Pokemon or, you know, Yogi-Oh, like some other right. anime or something. Because yeah, the cultural production is, you know, it's really fascinating. And I know there's so many good movies and just people who are interested in Japanese, you know, 
that's kind of like a whole industry. Same with K-pop um, or K-drama, oh, yeah. right? If you're doing Korean, like that's a whole thing that people become obsessed with, you know, rightfully so. <laughs> I'm all for the, the J-pop, K-pop, the C-pop, the, all those. Um, but yeah, you get like sucked into this world, right? And like, oh yeah. But um, you can learn so much culture. I don't know Power Rangers if that was, you know, culturally um, educational, but like, I think once you start delving into other just movies in general, right? Like if you're watching shows and movies, even if it's this fantasy world, like there's still cultural things that I will probably come up. I'm not a huge anime watcher. I've <laughs> done a tiny bit, but for certain, like, you know, the, the K-dramas, for example, like you get a lot of culture when you're watching a show like that. And then the certain words, I know people have said like, uh, you know, I don't really speak this language, but like I can kind of understand because I've heard certain words said so much like in a k-drama or an anime show like yeah i don't speak japanese but like i know these words they've come up a lot did you find that that happened because you were so into that a little bit actually um so that was kind of my intro into japanese like uh in japanese it's called super sentai and common writer um that was kind of my intro into it and then as I was watching it and studying the language at the same time I saw a lot of parallels and I'm like oh when they would say something I'd be like oh I know what that means that's so cool and I would geek out for a minute and then resume what I was doing but um it was so cool Mm -hmm. just to see like some of the connections that I started making in the beginning from all of this and then I'm also a huge k-pop fan so Mm -hmm. there's some connections in there yeah mm-hmm. um there's some connections in there with learning korean also mm-hmm. yeah it just that sparks an interest in, which i think is so cool right like we have so much at our fingertips now you know i'm gonna date myself the World Wide web was like coming into being you know in like the 90s and like the 2000s when i was in high school um and like it was it wasn't as easy right it wasn't as like accessible to just find Japanese media or like find, you know, songs in Korean. But I think like nowadays, like I can just, I can just imagine like what it's going to be like for my kids who are, you know, almost six and four, like what are they going to stumble upon and become fascinated with? Because it is, it's just much easier. The world is like smaller and smaller every year. It's just more accessible. Everything's kind of the algorithm. I mean, I hate, (laughs) I hate it and I love it. Right. Cause they, you click on one K-pop song and like, they send you a million others and like yeah. oh yeah <laughs> that's how I went down so many rabbit holes right I mean, that's, <laughs> that's why the rabbit hole is a thing now right because the algorithm right. is throwing things at you where you just can't stop and the, the Netflix continues to play you know they continue to play the next episode without you having to do anything and right technology is for and against us in that you know it's a good <laughs> thing but it's like oh my god you need to stop at some point. right Oh, so great. So did you know, going into the university, into college, that you wanted to minor in Japanese? Or was it like discovery? Well, it kind of switched. So I've changed my major and my minors uh, all, well, really just once, but um, I've changed them all. So I really started out, like my first year of college, as music education and Japanese major so I was a double major for a little while Mm -hmm. and then um I just kind of realized that that was just a little too much for me and I had other priorities at the moment so I just no joke yeah oh yeah 
I switched Japanese down to a minor and then I switched to music business. So it really just kind of worked out for the better. And also uh, Japan is the second largest music industry other than the U.S., which is perfect for me because I want to go over there and work. There so yeah, and you've got your you can have a foot in both, right? And have oh yeah, language knowledge in both and the cultural knowledge and you know, actually I'm curious because um, how much culture is taught? Like how are your classes taught? Um, I taught I only took I took French and Spanish at university and one semester or one year of Arabic, um, but I can only like imagine like your how is it to minor in a language that you know has this different alphabet and has such a different culture and i'm just thinking of the little little <laughs> amounts of japanese i know like the honorific system like how do you i've heard people say like you know it's hard to grasp that like a native will try and explain to you but like you still like you're not sure it's not just the same as like spanish like tu and usted and like there's like three levels in korean maybe japanese as well like it's much more subtle and like complicated like I feel like there's like multiple ways of saying and I don't know can you like touch on that because I am also interested in Japanese I don't study it um I, I dabble more because it's just mm -hmm. so fascinating but I'm wondering how they they tackle that like at the university level yeah of course most um, people come in without knowing any like are you start right. at level one because it's not so, like Spanish Spanish you'd start you know, midway or something, because they're assuming you've had some in high school. There's, right. I feel like it's just a different animal, right? Yeah, it is. Japanese, like, especially in Tennessee, is very, like, it's not widely spoken mm. at all. Um, I hear a lot of Spanish around me, so, like, I have a little bit of a panic where I'm just like, I picked the wrong language, but oh. then no um there's always time to learn spanish i'll do yes. that later yeah no yeah take the advantage of the university level i feel like that's that's a great time to do that yeah definitely hard to find right even though it yeah. seems counterproductive but you can pick oh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah so when i'm in um university i started at the very beginning um our 1010 level class was just very basic but also i had been working with an italki tutor for about eight, nine months beforehand. So I had already had the basics kind of. I, of course, wanted to start at the beginning of the class just so I could solidify my basics. So it just didn't move on and I was confused. So I started at the bottom and that's where we learned uh, hiragana and katakana and a little bit of basic kanji. Mm -hmm. And it really didn't take that long to get some of those basics in because university is fairly fast paced. Yeah, and I loved how my teacher did it, like shout out to my sensei because I love her with my whole heart. Um, so she, like it was a flipped class is what it was called yeah. where you would do a lot of the stuff outside of class and then you would solidify it when you come into class, which works really well for my oh, brain. And it's so good oh, yeah. for upper, you know, like we're talking about college, so like adults, um, that's how the company I teach for freestyle, we are also a flipped model, um, mm -hmm. we teach online. But yeah, the flip model is, so effective it really is students will do that prep work right you you exactly have to watch the 10 minute video for example like if we are sending you a video if you don't watch it it kind of all falls apart because we end up yeah. having to teach you what you should have watched in 10 minutes um exactly but when it you know a student like you you sound very serious and you know dedicated <laughs> like i'm sure you were doing all your prep work and that is it just makes more class time available to push and to do more and to talk and to use it rather than let's explain that this is the you know oh and this is the ah like no do that on your own 
right? Like, were you exactly. frustrated with um, when you had that first level, though? Because personally, when I did Arabic at university, I was so excited they had finally offered it my last, my senior year. And I was like, finally. Um, so I was, I knew I was taking it. And the summer before I learned the alphabet, you know, I learned all the letters and I learned how they connected and how they changed. And I got into the classroom and I loved this professor, but he took it super slow. Like we spent like a, a week or so, I don't know, we spent like more than a week, I think, learning the letters. And I was like, I already know this. <laughs> I need more. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you had that experience as well, since you had been working with uh, the italki tutor. I had for a little bit. Um, so when we were learning hiragana and katakana, I already knew mm. a lot of it, like pretty much all of it, actually. I knew all of it. And um, like, it didn't really take that long to actually get through that lesson. So, um, and we weren't just learning hiragana, katakana, all that stuff. We were also learning um, the basics, like greetings and um, just yeah. kind of getting just the basic stuff in where like learning what the verbs were not necessarily conjugating them yet but just kind of that basic stuff okay. and Tabemasu. because she <laughs> there you go I think there you go a flip classroom you probably spent less time than we were like we were it was dragged on and I was like Come oh yeah on like we need to do something I can't just sit here drawing like out of out of like I want to do something with this so right. yeah I think my teacher it was not a flipped classroom so I think you probably had a better experience because of that even yeah, it went young, a lot faster right and you had maybe a higher level than others but they could catch up by doing more at home and then you were mm -hmm. just kind of like this is cool this is good this is at my level yeah I was kind of coasting I didn't really want to like overwhelm myself and just get ahead and do it wrong or something like that so I was just kind of taking that semester just to chill because it was also my first semester of college so I wanted to focus on my other stuff too yeah. so um yeah it was a good just kind of intro into what I was going to start doing and then the next class was when I actually started learning a lot more and yeah. there was of course like in that class there were things that I didn't know like maybe a verb or two that I forgot about that I'm just like oh I need to remember that something like that so I still got something out of it and I would That's practice good. my speaking all that stuff so it wasn't just I was bored the whole time mm -hmm. it was just a little slower than what I was used to but we got there in the end just because I had studied beforehand so and then now I'm going into advanced like 3010 now and I'm like oh, I'm mm -hmm. scared but <laughs> no, don't be scared how many other students are there um so it started off with I think three different classes so probably about 60 wow. and then right and then as the, the level went level up one. okay right as the level went up it all started like going down so now uh I just passed uh 2020 which is class number four mm -hmm. um now it's like 16 students I'm pretty sure and then it'll go down even more for next semester so that's it's so that's one class of 16 that's a great number yeah and we're all technically about the same level so we can still kind of converse in the same way which is really it's really good yeah how much speaking versus writing do you guys do because again um, those who don't, you know, aren't familiar with Japanese, go look up the different hiragana, katakana. Those are the different writing um, with oh, plus Lord. the kanji. I mean, plus the kanji. It's not the uh, the quickest, you know, like English, you learn the 26 letters. 
that, you know, for like my kid, my kid's learning to read like, okay, there's uppercase, lowercase, but that doesn't take all that much to learn. Mm -hmm. But when you look at hiragana, then you have the katakana, which is used for the foreign words. And then there's all these kanji that you can't really know how to say. So they have to tell you in hiragana how to pronounce them. And then you're like, okay, now I have to know my hiragana because I can't pronounce kanji without knowing. I just, I mean, it reinforces your hiragana, but like how much, yeah, how much reading, how much writing and versus speaking. So we kind of mix everything. Mm -hmm. So a typical class would be like, we learn a few new kanji and put them in context of reading. Um, And then after that, we would hear a grammar point of some kind and then we would practice speaking and making our own sentences based on that grammar point that we would learn so really we hit pretty much everything like listening speaking reading writing because she would also play something over the speaker so we Mm -hmm. could listen to it and hear how it's actually used and Mm -hmm. practice the intonation things like that because intonation is very important in Japanese I don't know how many of your viewers study Japanese but you can say something completely different by just emphasizing the different syllable it's very yeah, very people weird don't but know that and you know oh yeah everybody knows about mandarin you know or chinese as you know some people call it but like mandarin has tones everybody knows okay there's these four tones super difficult to master you know for oh for yeah us uh learners but people don't know about like the complexity i've heard this of course i don't speak japanese but i've heard that like there's these um tones and things that you can like what's the word i don't even know if tone is the right word but like I don't know if people have referred to it as a tone or something else, but yeah, like you're saying the intonation is. Yeah, I think it's just, just intonation. We don't really have tones in Japanese. It's just yeah, no. five pure vowels, um, a, i, u, e, o, and just the intonation of the syllables themselves, right. where but you're people like. People don't talk about how that can change the, the meaning, right? Right. It's basically as hard as a tone, right? If intonation oh, yeah. is changing, that's, that's just as complex, but people don't talk about that with Japanese, but I've heard other polyglots and people at conferences talking about this and I'm like that like <laughs> Japanese was maybe a little easier than Mandarin yeah oh the really just when you think about it, it when you think about it it's really not that bad um it's just training your brain to emphasize the correct syllable mm-hmm. is really all you need to worry about as opposed mm-hmm. to Mandarin where I studied Mandarin for just a little bit and then I'm like this is really hard I need to not confuse it with Japanese so I stepped back from it for a little bit but um yeah for Japanese you just need to focus on the specific syllable in the words that you need to emphasize as opposed to Mandarin you're kind of my only comparison is like Mandarin you're kind of drawing a lot of squiggly lines with all of your tones or whatever if you're thinking about it that way but then Japanese there's just like the intonation for like a full sentence, just like you start at a higher tone kind of, oh, okay. and so then it's you just at go the, down the gradually. Level. Yeah, right. it's more the whole sentence where the curve is versus like Mandarin. It's like each word, like, well, this one goes exactly. up and this one goes down and this one. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Every language has their complexity, but I just, that's not one that people, I feel like, you know, the, the average person who's not a linguist, people don't know that about Japanese. And I've heard, you know, native Japanese speakers and learners talk about this. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) I (laughs) had no idea about that. So this is really, it's really interesting. What is the, what's the easiest part for you? Because I mean, like you said, Japanese, Mandarin, these languages for us, you know, not, you know, native English speakers or like native, any language um, that's not 
an Asian language, like it, it's intimidating. You know, I've heard Koreans and Japanese say, oh, you know, the grammar is similar. So they're not as intimidated. It's their neighbor. They've kind of been exposed. But like the rest of the world were like, oh my gosh, this language is so hard. So give us something that's easy. What have you enjoyed or what have you found to be very? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so it does, it does take a while to get to a place where you are understanding the language and it's starting to click for you. So mm -hmm. I don't want to give beginners just the the little mushy gushy stuff of you're just going to love it, whatever. It is hard. But once you get past yeah. the right, once you get past the getting used to stage, it really clicks in my brain specifically. I don't know how it will work for other people, but having the verb at the end of the sentence every time mm -hmm. it's very weird for native english speakers to get used to that because we always have like subject verb whatever yeah, yeah we're looking at it earlier on we're looking for it and we're exactly. like this, all this information but I, I don't even know what we're doing with it exactly right you so, ball what what's happening oh the verb right right <laughs> yeah so for japanese since i've gotten used to it having the verb at the end of the sentence is just very comfortable for me now as opposed to like if i'm looking at spanish i'm trying to put like ser or estar or something like that at the very end and i'm like nope that's not how that works it's not working but... yeah, so your brain is in actually in japanese mode <laughs> right it's it's starting to get there and i'm i'm loving that and i'm th very very thankful for that but that's it's starting cool. to make a little bit of sense just to like make the sentence from the end and then putting it like all the way through just be like okay think of what your subject is think of what your verb is and whatever other information you stick it in the middle right and which is such a weird concept for us and it really is but once you get used to it it's comforting for me i don't know why but it just makes a lot of sense well, in my you know brain where now the verb goes right like there's no right guess. like it's it's at the end um which yeah. i think is so interesting for um translation purposes so my oh, high yeah. school i taught it i taught french and spanish at a high school in massachusetts and um we had like this long-standing um what do I want to call it just an, ex an exchange program so every year Japanese students would come to our high school because they're studying English they're studying you know the culture and then every three years we would send a group because we didn't have as many we weren't teaching Japanese but we had you know enough students who were interested every three years we took a trip and um, we had this great cultural exchange you know but I was thinking about it because obviously you know we were going over, we had our, I actually got to go on the trip um, before my kids were born, which was so cool. Um, Cause they needed teachers who like, didn't have kids and commitments. So I was like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great. And I was just, it was interesting when we were there or when they were here. So, you know, Japanese, they're very formal um, and we would have um, an assembly and, you know, the, the director that came with the students would like give a speech and then we had someone else translating it. And just, you know, the formality, but it was interesting translation wise, because they always had to say the whole sentence and then they would translate. Whereas like when you've heard like, a, you know, other language being translated, they're sometimes kind of like going as they go, you know, like whether yeah. it's ASL or it's like Spanish, they're kind of like, like, yo, estoy, and I am, and they're like doing it like simultaneously. And we'd all be like waiting very patiently. We're like, bah, 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 you know, like this, like two minutes and they're like, okay, what? And then he has to remember that whole long sentence, right? Like, we're so thankful that you've invited us here. Like, it's not these short, simple sentences, but it's interesting because yes, the verb is at the end. So the person translating cannot translate until they hear the whole sentence. 
because yeah, they don't notice, I did say, notice we are that. thankful. That's so cool. <laughs> it's, it's like that's at the end, right? Like all the things in between. Um, and so, yeah, I just always was like noticing that when we were hosting them here or going there, there was a lot of formal things, you know, we had to like meet the, the mayor through the business card exchange. It was like very <laughs> culturally rich um, trip. But yeah, there was just a lot of translation happening because we weren't expected to know any Japanese because um, that's not, you know, it wasn't an exchange program, a linguistic one. It was more of a cultural and we had this the tie between our two cities, like they were like sister cities. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's such an interesting concept, right? Because we're so used to this automatic quick, da, 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 and it was just like, nope, you got to wait, the verbs at the end. So yeah, I just sat through a lot of speeches. <laughs> but I do, yeah. I find it really interesting. And other, you know, it's not unique to Japanese, but I just hadn't been exposed. Like I think German also has it at the end, but that's not a language I've studied. Right. I asked you what the easiest thing about Japanese, um, what is the hardest Okay, now pick one. I know there's probably a lot. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot, but probably the first thing that comes to my mind is kanji. Mm -hmm. Kanji is so hard. They're, they kind of ease you into it, especially in university, which I really appreciate. They ease you into it. They give you like the uh, number one, number two, number right, three, which are all like, right. Those, I'm just like, I like that. That's easy. Let's just stick with that. Like we could just do tally marks. I don't know. But it turns, when you go to four, it turns into a box and then with yeah. lines in the box, it's yeah. just, it's a lot. And then as you keep going forward and starting learning different things, whatever, it just gets more and more complex. There are so many different strokes that you have to remember. And like, quick little misconception, stroke order does matter, but not as much as a lot of people say. So it can help you do it right. But if you're like me and I can just picture something and then just, just transfer it over, yeah. I can usually do okay without actually remembering stroke order, but you know. So um, that's more for like you traditional. They yeah, like they want they you to do. go a certain order. Yeah, I can imagine. They that. do. And they teach you, but they don't really stress over it. If you're actually writing the kanji, and it's correct. they don't like stress over it and just be like, you did this in the wrong order. So just, okay, now just a, a little bit of breather there. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it, and they shouldn't. Like, I'm thinking if my kid draws a T and does the, the horizontal before the vertical or the vertical, and then the, who cares, right? If they're drawing the T correctly, like, we shouldn't nitpick so much. Um, right alert. it's mainly just for like very traditional formal Japanese and like sometimes right calligraphy exactly mm -hmm. uh, okay speaking of calligraphy what is your favorite I know there's all these different like arts right they have um, like I was mentioning you know the high school exchange we were very focused on the cultural uh, aspect so we would have this culture night and we'd invite the whole town um, so like I'm thinking you know the calligraphy the origami um the different drumming the flower arrangement I mean there's so many different like the tea ceremony do you have oh, a yeah. favorite that like is you know something that you're more drawn to because those are all very like wow. culturally specific to the Japanese you know right wow that's really hard um I've never um been to Jap I've never been to Japan before but I'm trying to plan that trip soon but um that opportunity um, will come all right, that's what I'm hoping for. I just need yep. to save a butt ton of money. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, it's a far trip, but it's worth it. Just make sure you right. go for a good amount of time because, like I said, it's such a long, tiring journey. Oh, um, yeah, it is. There's so much to see. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love I it. Do... I mean, you speak the language, so it's going to be a 
resonate on a whole nother level. I hope so. Yeah. I love when you know the culture more. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I really do love the, the fashion in Japan. It's just so cool. And like, I just think that the kimonos are just so pretty. I want one. (laughs) I'm definitely buying one when I go to Japan, but, um, I think that's so pretty. And then they have some amazing music festivals. Oh yeah. That too. It'll make me taller. I mean, I yeah, have that, no idea, yeah. but it'll make me taller. So Are that's you what short? I care I'm about. So short. <laughs> I'm very short. I am five foot one. I'm very short. Oh my God, I have you beat at five foot three. Wow. <laughs> I'm the tallest person in the room. That's like the first. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, used to those it. Those sandals okay. don't look comfy, though. I mean, yes, they're no. big platforms, but I, you know, watching, we actually saw a geisha walking and it was like, it doesn't look comfortable. What is the summer? There's a summer outfit that's not a kimono. That's, um, Oh, I think of the word. Oh, but, I don't remember what it's like, called. Oh, I, I know what you're those. talking about. Yeah, it's like a little more comfortable. Kimono right. is very formal and beautiful. It, it, it really is. is. It's what are you talking about? That when you say, sorry, I'm stuck on this fashion because all these images yeah. are popping into my mind of like the crazy baby girl or like crazy color. Are you thinking of that? Like I'm thinking like crazy. Tokyo. oh yeah definitely so. i just i just think it's entertaining like personally it's not really my style my style is just plain black but i love a- just what right i love just looking at it and seeing like i've seen like a bunch of like japanese fashion shows on youtube and stuff and it's just so cool to look at and it i'm is. like ooh, yeah it yeah. really is again another very specific look right like you see that and you're like oh they're japanese <laughs> oh yeah right Okay, so you mentioned the music festivals, and of course, this is your, uh, your line of work, hopefully. Um, so tell us about it's that. It's amazing. I know nothing. Oh yeah, it's so cool. So the they put a lot of emphasis on their music industry in general. So like that's why J-pop is so big, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of their shows in general, like the audience, I've noticed, like this is kind of a culture thing. Also, the audience is a lot more calm than yeah, in listening America <laughs> right yeah and they're just like paying respect um, exactly exactly it's very entertaining just to see the difference like I would feel bad just because I'm a crazy music fan so I would be screaming the lyrics to everything but people would just be staring at me the whole time I just kind of feel bad but um it's just really cool just to see that difference and then artists notice that though like if they're touring in japan the same group and then they come over here and they're like whoa all these crazy americans are singing the lyrics and you know yeah (laughs) it it could be it could be like i mean there are still like some big concerts and things where in japan they are loud and they're cheering and they're screaming and everything but nothing to the level of Americans like you know mosh storming pit. the stage and whatever mosh pit yeah stuff like that it's just it's a very noticeable difference but it's kind of cool to me mm. but um and then some of the productions like in Japan are like have bigger budgets sometimes so like they're like they've got like all this pyrotechnics and all these lights and everything Ooh. as opposed to in America where it's a little bit more toned down mm. in some ways yeah it's just it's really cool. They have a lot of unique things. Mm. Yeah, I would never, I've never even looked at the, a concert. <laughs> I wouldn't even know the, to look at that. In your classes where, you know, you're doing music business, um, are you looking at cultural differences or is that just something on your own personal time that you've delved into? 
so I do have a class that I'm taking next semester that is specifically for like international entertainment. So I'm looking forward to that. But otherwise, I usually just kind of research on my own. We just kind of focus on specifically like the Nashville country music industry and a lot of things, which you've got to. There's not really right. It's not really for me. But yeah, um, I usually research different things for Japan and South Korea, things like that, that I'm actually more interested in on that side. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit. You, um, so obviously you're very interested in Japanese minoring in it, but you've mentioned that, you know, Korea also you're interested in K-drama. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about, are you studying Korean? I am. I am nowhere near the level in Japanese. So I I started Japanese a long time ago and then I've just now started adding Korean onto that. So I'm very beginner, but um, really K-pop kind of got me into it because when I started switching my major to music business, I'm like, let's look throughout like the global music industry and then K-pop happened and then I got hooked on Stray Kids and then everything just kind of went that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the moment I heard God's menu, I was hooked, but you know, it's all right. So I started learning Korean a little bit ago and it's just, it's so cool. I'm enjoying looking into that industry and everything. I've got a couple other groups that I love, but Stray Kids mm-hmm. is probably the best one for me, but. Hey, good recommendation it's... for anyone who doesn't know. I'm sure. Yes. Knows at least one K-pop group. <laughs> probably. And did yeah, you find just, it it's very easier, cool. harder? Like, how are you finding it different? You know, if you're comparing, obviously, you know, more Japanese, but like, for example, Hangul is so much simpler, right? It's equivalent with right. like having an alphabet, like. Whereas it doesn't have these three levels of hiragana, katakana, kanji. Right. Yeah, the writing system definitely is easier than Japanese. The pronunciation is a little harder, but not right. Because, yeah, (laughs) for Japanese, it's just like a pure vowel and just a consonant with that. Mm -hmm. So kaki, kuke, ko, something like that. But if you're wanting to say something in korean it's kind of in between the k and the g sound and then yeah there's the something one. like that and like mm-hmm, exactly. double letters the double k double double t and like they're hard to pronounce i do i find and i did korean first but i find mm-hmm. it harder to pronounce and even like practicing you know i'll do duolingo and they'll be like eh, try again and i'm like really that wasn't good enough <laughs> right <laughs> what am i saying wrong whereas like japanese i feel like it is just easier i don't know the yeah the syllabic just just the i think it's vowels actually that are complicated like the uh, like all these like sounds in korean that are just kind of hard plus right i've noticed it's almost i guess like um how you write it is not always how you say it there's all sorts of letters exactly change so you're like okay i know these letters i know how to pronounce them and then you hear someone say it and you're like you change the pronunciation of what I'm seeing, right. which must be how people feel with English, right? Like English is so True. not transparent. What we write is not what we say. And I find that more with Korean than I, than I do with Japanese. Japanese is like very definitely pure, just like Spanish, right? You write, what you mm-hmm. write is what you say. <laughs> exactly. Korean, I'm like, why did they pronounce it like this? Why does this happen? <laughs> so yeah, I find it I don't know. I found it much harder pronunciation. I thought oh, yeah. I was picking the easier. I was like, oh, this is only has Hangul. This is going to be easy. And then I was like, oh, no, <laughs> it's not easier. <laughs> yeah, I've been the same way. Like the difference in the vowels, like you said, like mm-hmm. Japanese, there are five. That's all you need. The pure vowels, that's mm-hmm. it. But then Korean, it has the pure vowels in there. But then 
there's kind of like this in between awe. Like the, they yeah, the exactly. And I'm like, awe. right. It's it's this? like a more open O as opposed to a close. Like yeah, it's not I will the say one, but the right. Exactly. I will say something that I learned from being a music education major. I had to take an English diction class where like we had to learn how to speak English correctly. And basically it was learn the rules and then throw them away, which was very weird. But um, something I learned was IPA, International Phonetic Alphabet. Yes. And that has helped me so much with Korean because there's a different for the open o or the closed o like the aw or the o something like that there's a different symbol in ipa for that of course so if i'm writing right if i'm writing an ipa it makes it easier to pronounce it in korean right and that's also why i think it's so important to learn the actual script um oh yeah because yeah the the aw is like well the a is a line with a a vertical line with a horizontal in the middle and the awe is just mm-hmm. the opposite of that it's like the line is on the right and the, the vertical line the other way but yeah it shows that it's more open versus the horizontal on the bottom with a vertical coming up like the o, <laughs> o right but yeah vowels i think vowels make it harder and same with english i think we have like 12 like there's five that we write you know a i or u but then we pronounce all these weird vowels and we have these diphthongs like you know, taking linguistic classes, like you learn like I, even the word I is like a mm-hmm. combination. It's not a pure E and it's not an, it's not an ah, it's I-E. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, right. wow, English is like really complicated. Like I never, you know, you really start appreciating your, your native tongue, the more you study linguistics or the more you study another language and exactly class. Wow. I mean that, I feel like we all could use that. <laughs> But when yeah, we only somewhere. speak with natives, we get really like lazy and used to the way we speak. And then, you know, you're, you're, I teach, you know, English and I'm like, wow, I really need to speak clearly and slowly and not say like, you know, the, a typical like learner, you know, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, what you doing? <laughs> you know, like, what whole, you, exactly. That's it's hard to teach that, but like they do need to there's like a give and take, like they need to learn to recognize that and like maybe start pronouncing things more smushed. But at the same time, as their teacher, I need to kind of also move towards the middle where I'm not just smushing all my words and hoping that they follow along. Yeah, I understand that. I have a few uh, Japanese exchange students that come to my school and I'm friends with them. It's a lot of fun. And um, I've started speaking English a little bit more slowly, but then also it kind of switches and I have to speak Japanese kind of slowly to make sure I'm saying it correctly. Mm. So um, it's not just my native language that I'm trying to practice. I'm practicing both. So yeah, me too. When I teach Spanish, like I need to make sure it's clear because I'm Mm -hmm. teaching Spanish one, right? I can't. Right. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Well, that's really cool. I mean, I'm learning so much. You're making me want to go back and be an undergrad and study languages (laughs) at university, but I know it's a lot of work right? It's not yeah. all fun and games. True. <laughs> yeah, I am enjoying it, though. I love Japanese. I started with the Romance languages, and then I just completely switched to the Asian languages. And I'm like, you know, we're just gonna put those aside for a second. <laughs> I think that's pretty common, though, because in the U.S., that's usually the first step, right? Like, we Definitely. all get introduced to French or Spanish, or maybe even Latin, or 
um, like that's usually the first exposure unless you have a home language, unless you have you know family somewhere, or, you know, some sort of connection or a friend, or if it's not already in your family structure or your friend structure, like that's usually the first language. So, um, but I think a lot of people, I mean, I remember I had friends that were studying Japanese and they were just super gung-ho, like the people who wanted to, like, and they would be doing all their work. And I was like, wow, but there, there is a fascination. I think um, actually one of the guests that um, the episode hasn't released yet, he worked in Korea teaching English for seven years. And he talked about this kind of like superpower. You just feel really cool when you can read and write a, a different script, right? It just kind of oh, gives yeah. you this like extra boost. Like, yeah, I can read, you know, like Spanish, like, okay, Casa, like, that's great. But when you write the word in like, you know, Jeep in, um, Korea and like wow that's like it looks so much cooler like I only wrote the word house but you feel it's so much cooler because it's like a different script right right yeah I, I feel know. the same way oh 100%. <laughs> I think everyone listening who's studied a language that has any other script like you just it's just it's really neat and um you know I wish kids were exposed to even just different writing systems I try and show my kids I'm like look at this language like I'll show them like something written in Arabic I'm like this is also a language like I know you're learning your ABCs but like imagine like this <laughs> just to like open it up to their minds like yeah not one way of doing things right get to exactly all right now I always ask to well I've forgotten a few times but I, I like to ask um for my guests to teach us either a word or a phrase so I would love one in Japanese That'd be really cool. Ooh, um that would be great let's see <laughs> oh I have one um you could say just I can speak Japanese okay so uh, uh yes I yes <laughs> yes that was right well you say it now because your pronunciation is probably better yeah um also a little tip for anybody who's learning Japanese or whatever if um you're speaking in context or anything like that you can take off watashiwa mm. sometimes just kind of like drop spanish. that off because exactly yeah you can drop the yo in spanish too um just to be sure like people know that you're talking about yourself so you can always drop that so mm. um so for me it would be nihongo hanasemasu mm. and that's kind of with the uh intonation too you kind of start higher nihongo hanasemasu ah mm -hmm. yeah see that's the little things that i've never been taught or told but it's really cool um one that i really like that is super like cultural is the itadakimasu like yeah it, and people are like they nobody's translated it for me but it's it's what you say before eating right yeah it's basically just you're thankful for the food that you're about to eat Mm. basically that's not a direct translation exactly but that's like what it really can, like, means. give me like the exact translation but I know it's always like right <laughs> yeah there's not really a direct translation in English exactly. because it's such a cultural thing mm -hmm. it's just kind of what you would think just like um what was it uh gambate like ah. how people say the translation into English would be good luck yeah but, but they don't really say force or strength. I forget what that means. Right. Like it's basically go do your best. Ah. And it's not really good luck directly translated because right. they don't really use luck in Japan. It's lost they in translation. Yeah. Right. It is. So like gambate just kind of translates to good luck. That's just right. kind of the that's just kind of the way it kind of works. It's but it's really interesting. 
And those right. are the things you learn when you're like, you have to do a culture because like, yet's not even the exact translation. And then you kind of talk about what the words actually, like this part of the word actually means this and the situations you would use it in, right? Like that could also be different, which is I think why they're translating to good luck. Um, but it could be different, right? There could be other circumstances or like who you can say those things to, right? There's just so much that comes into that. Oh, my other favorite word in Japanese is kawaii. Kawaii. Kawaii, cute. cute. Everybody like, yeah. you can't not know that word because it's just, exactly. every, it's everywhere. And like, I love, love how cute Japanese culture, I, I, not even to stereotype, like I was there, the news was being, you know, broadcast, but there was like cute little marshmallowy people like on the news. I was like, what is happening? Like, is yeah, this, like the six o'clock news, like serious, but or like the weather was like, you know, coming on and it was like these cute little thing. I was I mean, it was just amazingly like so different. I was like, this is amazing. And plus the house, um, each of us teachers, we were housed um, by another teacher in the school. Um, we're, I didn't say we went to Hokkaido. So the northern part oh, yeah. um, where our sister school is. And I was housed by an English teacher um who had two little kids and they were like three and one or four and two they were super little so like they also had like a program on for them which was just like mind-blowingly cute right because I mean if the news was cute you can only imagine how cute a show for a four-year-old would be oh yeah and I you know didn't understand but I was just like <laughs> watching with my mouth like oh, what is happening I love this yeah and she would talk I love to it me too she didn't understand that I didn't understand her the, the one who was older who could talk and she would just talk to me like, okay, this is an adult. <laughs> like, you know, I don't look Japanese, but she just was like, adults understand me. So I'm going to talk. You know, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so cute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, uh, it's like I love that. Tricks. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping you will get there soon. soon I hope you know, so. Sooner or later. And that you can stay a bit. So you can really enjoy it. I hope it. so. Oh, it's Japanese. I mean, I got to learn that language. I have a book. I posted on my Instagram like I'm gonna learn these oh, hiragana yeah. katakana because they're not they're not clear in my mind. I know you said like right. it's easy for you. I'm like I haven't dedicated the time <laughs> to making it, but yeah. I I've done like the Pimsler, which is like why I know these oh yeah phrases. So I always focus I have on that speaking. too. Yeah, I've always like well if I can speak and I can say you know hanasemasu like can you speak English? That's what I said a million times. Or like nihongo ga hanasemasen. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my go-to <laughs> sentences. Um, which is it I'm works. It. Yeah, I, I got my I mean, they could obviously probably tell that I couldn't, but you never know what foreigner has spent a lot of time studying. True. Um, but yeah, I focus more on the the speaking and then I'm like, I just I don't know, I, the, the writing frustrates me, but I'll one day it's my yeah, it's on my bucket list of things. Right. As long as you learn hiragana, you should be okay. Mm um just and some basic kanji you should be okay because a lot of the time in japan in like actual use of japanese they don't use super super complicated kanji oh, just in everyday life mm -hmm. just because a lot of children will read some of their stuff and they don't know the super complicated kanji yet because right. they learned that in schools they actually dedicate that mm -hmm. to finish like through middle school i'm pretty sure maybe some in high school but um usually don't don't let the kanji scare you away from actually that's doing great, something like yeah, that that's great to know like how long right they're dedicating x number of years of their schooling 
those kids are still learning up to age 12, you know, 13, something like that, that they're still learning. So this is not something we should expect ourselves to just, I'm going to pick up all the kanji. Like, no, no, <laughs> you don't, and you don't need to. I think no. that's great because it takes some of the pressure off. Um, I actually wanted to ask about that because I haven't, again, yeah. haven't been exposed to that much Japanese and even less Japanese writing. So like, I'm curious how much, if you had to give like a percentage or if you've, you know, heard some statistic from your teacher, like, you know, a normal book or like a, I don't know, an article or something, like something you're going to read online, like, is it like 80% hiragana and like 20% kanji or more or less? I don't hmm. know. I'm just curious if that's even been studied. Really? Like, okay. Um, that's an interesting question. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think that my teacher has really said anything about that. Mm. But um, there are, just from the reading exercises that we've done and things like that. Yeah, just a um, guesstimate. It doesn't have to be. Right. <laughs> really, I think it's probably about 60 to 70% kanji. Oh. And then the rest is hiragana. That's just in... Um, Anna, you've just lost typical... me. Just no. <laughs> a lot of the kanji is the same, though. Okay. Like, it's not all of these different kanjis and everything. It's a set, like, maybe 100 to 200 that they use on a daily basis, things like that. Um, just I guess I'm forgetting. Basic... Like, even basic words like meat is a kanji, right? Yes. Like, it, that was in my Duolingo. I don't forget what it was, but it was, like, that technically is a kanji, but, like, yeah, and, like, fish. And, like, mm -hmm. okay, so there's, yeah, there's, like, a lot of very common words that are written in kanji rather than written out in hiragana so okay okay exactly yeah yeah so a lot of the things that you'll just be learning in general like uh the verbs for like to go to speak to eat yeah. things like that those are all kanji sure. of course there are a couple like little hiraganas like thrown in there like uh tabemas has like the kanji Abe? for eat and yeah. then be is in hiragana oh. so yeah so it's just right. <laughs> And then the moss, of course. Right, it's a, it's um, a mix. Yeah. Right. There's a mix in there. It's just getting familiar with like the main 200-ish kanji that we use. And most of that is really, I'm pretty sure in Genki 1, I have it mm. with me. So I'm trying to remember. But um, yeah. <laughs> Genki Deska. Exactly. When you say Genki, I'm like... <laughs> I do use the uh, Genki books in. Um, my university lessons and I, I love them people say good things about yes them. Yeah. they're amazing if somebody's looking for Japanese resources Genki books are amazing I'm in Genki 2 right now there's like one and two mm -hmm. um I finished Genki 1 in three semesters um well actually technically three plus the last chapter mm -hmm. um do you think someone so, could self-study with Genki or is it like Definitely. Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of different resources with Genki that you can use. There are Quizlets everywhere. Ooh. There are, um, there's actually an app. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it has the actual um, listening exercises that are in it. It's like, oh, that's great. OTO Navi is what it's called. It has like the Japan Times on it, something like that. It's like, mm. I think it may be like an $8 subscription for like, four months something like that it's really affordable um so it has the listening activities and then it has some drill practice workbooks uh kanji practice stuff like that it's like all inclusive has all the different things that you could possibly need it's 
fantastic and i absolutely recommend it awesome. but um it's so yeah, funny when you're learning with a student this morning and she's of a certain age she's older than me and we were talking about how when you used to buy a book you got a cd and she was like yeah there wasn't any cd in the book <laughs> and i was like oh yeah it's like and she's like i found the website like everything's online i'm like well it's technically right. better because they can update and like new things can be added whereas you bought that yes. cd you got those 10 tracks and that was all you got um exactly. but we were just kind of <laughs> lamenting the days of like getting cds when you would buy a, a language book yeah yeah, I still get the CD sometimes. Like I also use just for my own personal practice. I don't either. It's in my car. That's all I got. Um, for my own practice, sometimes I get Japanese for busy people. Um, that's another one. It, they have three levels on that. So there's beginner, intermediate, advanced. I just finished the intermediate book, which is crazy. Wow. So I'm starting the third one, the advanced one. So We'll be working on that. So just a little bit of new things. And it just kind of, it's really cool to have two different books and resources to use because some of the kanji that was in like the third book of the Busy People book was in Genki 1. Yeah. So you're kind of experiencing both at the same time. And it's just like, oh, I recognize that kanji. Cool. So it gives you a little bit of moment of clarity so it's really cool and refreshes right we always need to exactly see more than once and i yeah it's a good point that like different resources what someone finds maybe easy this is level one another person will find harder yeah i just think you know that's kind of a common like depending on who made it um every teacher every person who's creating these resources is gonna classify oh this is a beginner topic and this is more advanced whereas it could be the opposite to you because you know so much about that advanced topic that it's you already know those words yeah it's it's super interesting but yeah the more resources the better so if you have any right. others um you can always send them to me and i will put them in the show notes so if anybody is yeah. learning or wanting to learn japanese try it right i mean definitely you never know until you try and as you heard us you know it's such a cool and fascinating place with so much culture and uh the language is not not impossible right so tanner's already like her brain is thinking Japanese mode, <laughs> right? That's, which is such a big accomplishment, right? Like that you see oh, yeah. your brain, like, oh, how do you know? Like sometimes you catch yourself, how would I say that in English? And like, it's easier to say it in the other language and you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, it so is. I had a moment when I was at dinner with one of my friends where I could not think of the English word. We were talking in English. Everything was normal. Yeah. She's just she's one of my American friends. So we were just talking normally. And I wanted to say something. And I'm like, why can I only think of the Japanese word? What was like, the I don't word? Even remember. I'm curious. I think I think it was like the word creepy, which is kimoi in you Japanese. Wow, that's crazy. yeah. So um I but was your brain about was to only say you one. Yeah. It was. I was about to say kimoi, but I'm like, wait, that's not the right. Thing. what is the word in English so I had like a whole crisis and she's like are you okay I'm like I can't speak English now what is happening that was the first time that ever happened to me and I'm oh, like this is so weird it's a really weird experience yeah oh it's so weird but it's also kind of so cool much, where it's super cool because you've spent so much time of your day which means your brain is thinking in Japanese right like you're doing so much that English was turned off for a minute oh yeah <laughs> which is cool. yeah it's yeah, it's cool, but it's also terrifying sometimes. We've all had it, though. I think everyone oh, yeah. can relate to that. Like, oh, and I've seen memes. I've seen, you know, reels online where it's like, 
oh, you can't think of the word, you know, you're speaking even just in, let's say English, I can't think of the word in English. And my brain searches and I'm like, dang, I can't even think of it in any of the languages. Like what in the world am I trying right. to say? I've you done just feel that. like what is happening in my brain right now mm -hmm. it's like on the tip of your tongue actually that happened to my son the other day it was really cute like he had the word on the tip of his tongue but he doesn't know that expression and he was like it's right here <laughs> I just can't say it and I'm like I know because <laughs> like seeing his little brain trying to explain what he was trying to say it was super yeah. cute <laughs> it's like yeah there's an expression for that it's on the tip of your tongue <laughs> right there yeah but he doesn't know you know that expression it was just super cute to see like the, the physicalness of him like trying to, to pull this word out of himself <laughs> and not succeeding <laughs> that's cute oh man yeah oh, kids are kids are a blast all right <laughs> well thank you thank you so much and yes anything else that you want to send I will put in the show notes but it was yeah. such a pleasure I mean we could sit here talking about our love for Japanese I don't even know any more Japanese <laughs> I don't speak Japanese but I could sit and talk about it all day because I just oh yeah such a beautiful always day. yeah well thank you and yeah um I, is there anywhere that we can reach you online if people want to get in touch yes I have a uh, language instagram page uh tanner languages i also have it on twitter as well so yeah feel free to reach out to me my dms are always open for just some language fun whatever so just yes, let me know language nerds here so always so some some feedback there all right well wonderful yes. such a pleasure to have you yes thank you for having me thank you